This is Cruise Radio. I cruise a lot and I always sail with travel insurance. You should too. Get a free quote today at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. My name is Doug Parker. Very happy to have you here, my friend. A review of New Dom on this week's show and staff writer Richard Sims waiting in the wings with Cruise News. Jumping right to him now. Hey, Richard. Hey, Doug Parker. Two cruisers stuck in Cozumel. No passport, no insurance. Yeah, this is sort of basically one red flag after another. So the two women were sailing out of Tampa and they went to Cozumel. And while they were there, they decided to rent some scooters. Now, right off the bat, red flag number one, because scooters, you know, always seem like a good idea, but they're really dangerous. And, you know, you you get in places where you're not necessarily comfortable driving. And then there's people on the roads who may be driving more, you know, erratically than usual, than you're used to. It's just, it's all a bad thing. Anyway, to make it even worse, they rented from a third-party rental place as opposed to doing it through the ship. Now, obviously, that makes it cheaper. It's always cheaper to do these things you know, on your own, make your own arrangements, than it is to do it through the ship. But the problem is that also means the cruise line doesn't know where you are or what you're doing. And that's going to be important in just a minute. So while scooting around the island, they wound up having an accident. One of the women apparently needed surgery on her arm, but they didn't have insurance. Red flag number two. I mean, how many times have we talked about the importance of having cruise travel insurance? Uh, We actually talked to our friend Dan over at tripinsurance.com to sort of see would these women be in in a better place if they had had travel insurance? And, you know, long answer short is yes, it would have helped them. Like what ended up happening was because they had no insurance and they had no money, they basically were kind of not given the treatment that they needed. They got stranded because they also didn't have passports. And that is all stuff that trip insurance will help you deal with. They will, you know, help you put in touch, get you in touch with the embassy to help make sure that you can get your passport. It'll sort of forward the hospital, the money that you need that, you know, that can all be sorted out later. They, they sort of take care of it as your, as, as a primary. And then later your insurance company, you know, you have to work out between the two and all that. It can get it can get it can get complicated. There's no two ways about it. But they would have been in much better shape because there would have been some form of insurance to help them. Even if they don't have regular insurance, they would have had travel insurance. And that would have really gone a long way toward sort of helping them. As it ended up, they remember I said earlier that it was going to be important that the ship didn't know where they were. Well, that's because the ship didn't know where they were. So it left without them, as we've all seen happen. You know, we've seen the pier runners who are coming to get to the ship at the last minute. Well, they didn't even make pure runner status because they were still dealing with the whole medical crisis and didn't get back on the ship. So the ship left without them. So, you know, just like I said, everything about this, it was one red flag after another from from the way they decided to rent the scooters, how they decided to rent them, not having insurance, just just kind of a mess all around. Really not a great situation. Royal Caribbean goes all in on adults only. Uh, Welcome to Hideaway Beach. This is going to be the new adults-only section of Perfect Day at Coco Key, and it'll be available starting in January of next year. Now, if a child-free area with, like, cabanas and bars and beaches sounds like heaven, you're probably right. 
But like all good things, it's also going to come at a cost. Depending on the season, it'll cost between $39 and $89 a person. And, you know, I think what's worth noting here is it's important to note that this isn't the only adults-only area on Perfect Day, but it is, you know, there are three other sections that are adults-only. I believe those are all free. You don't have to pay to access those. This one is a little higher end. It has offers some different amenities. It has, you know, some pools with DJs, stuff like that. So I like to think of it as the difference between going to, if you're on a Norwegian ship, going to Spice H2O, which is for a free adults only area and going to the vibe beach club, which is an area that you pay for. This is sort of that except put on a private island. Once this expansion is done and once you know they they've got a few things they're working on over at Perfect Day, they're going to be able to uh, to 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 welcome 13,000 guests a day. That's a lot of people, but it's a big space and it's a big island and you know they're 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 really looking at it and saying, "Yeah, we can handle that many people and spread it out so it doesn't seem crowded." That's the hope anyway. And also to cash in on 13,000 wallets too. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, so a, a slew of Carnival Cruise Line news this week. Yeah, we got three big stories here, um, all of which came out like sort of boom, boom, boom. So we're just going to combine them all and knock them out. First is something that John Heald announced on his Facebook page. For those of you who don't know, and I'm sure most of you do, John is the brand ambassador for Carnival Cruise Line. And he revealed that there was also a letter sent out. That's the other way this actually got out. And then people started asking him about it. So I should back that up. But basically, a letter went out telling people who had rented cabanas on Half Moon Key that they were no longer going to be offering air conditioning in the cabanas. Uh, they said that basically it's it's inefficient and expensive to try and offer air conditioning in an open air cabana. And, you know, when you think about it, that does make sense. I mean, you know, your air conditioning is, a, is directly going out into the ocean. It reminds me of when I used to stand in front of the, you know, you'd stand in front of the refrigerator and your mom would say, we're not using the air conditioner to, you know, or the, we're not using the refrigerator to air condition the entire house. Same basic principle here. Um, now, what's kind of interesting to me is that the people who got this letter were told that as a result of this change, they would be getting 10% back on the price of their cabana. Now, I've been looking to book a cabana on Half Moon Key because I'm going there for the first time in January on the Venezia. And I was, I love cabanas. So I was like, I'm going to do this. But I kind of was turned off by the fact that they are now $6.99 for the regular cabana and $9.99 for the large cabana. And that price has not changed. So all I can think is that they are offering the discount on people who had already previously booked it. You know, they are grandfathered in and they're going to get the 10% off. But if you book it now, you're still going to pay moving forward. You're still going to pay the $6.99 or $1,000 and it's not going to be air conditioned. It's just going to have, you know, a lovely rotary fan above you, which, you know, again, makes sense. But the price of the cabanas is kind of off-putting. The second piece of news to come out of Carnival was about the new vegan menus. Vegans and vegetarians have not necessarily had the easiest time, and this is not just on Carnival, it's across cruise lines. A lot of cruise lines, for example, in the main dining room will have one basic vegetarian entree that they offer pretty much every night. It's usually like, you know, an Indian dish. That's almost the same across the board every night. Well, Carnival is rolling out a really nice-looking menu. I mean, I'm a 
bona fide meat eater. But there is stuff on here that I really it sounded delicious to me. They have like stuffed mushrooms and grilled tofu steak. And even, even they have three or four different um, vegetarian and vegan desserts. Like they have a key lime velvet cake and a Dutch double chocolate pave, which you know what a pave is if you watch Top Chef. If you don't, well, order it and find out. Um, so yeah, that's, that's being rolled out slowly, but surely on a couple, it's already on a couple of ships. It should be across the entire fleet by the end of the year. That's the goal anyway. So that's our second big carnival story. And the third, which also came out on John Heald's page, which is, you know, if you're a carnival fan and you're not following John Heald, you should be, because that is where all of the news tends to come out. Because if people hear rumors, they take it to his page and ask him about it. In this case, it was about libraries. Uh, someone had mentioned that they didn't see a library space on one of the new ships being built. And John confirmed that, yes, they are not putting libraries on the new build ships. Their reasoning is that basically people don't really want to read on a vacation. They don't want to go borrow a book and that they can use that space for more, you know, bars and restaurants. In other words, places that actually earn money. There's been a kind of interesting mixed reaction to this. The first reaction a lot of people have is, if I'm going to read a book, I'm going to bring it with me. I don't need a library to borrow a book from. But the other reaction, which is sort of my reaction, is the library on a ship is not just a place to borrow books. It's also a quiet place. And those are increasingly hard to find. Um, you know, I enjoy going into the library and sitting there and having a nice quiet space to hang out for a while in the afternoon. Um, a lot of libraries also offer not just books, but they'll be where you can go and pick up games. Like they have a daily Sudoku and you can go and pick it up and, and do it every day. So I see both sides. I kind of wish that we were keeping libraries and I'm really following this story to see if because of the outcry um, from the people who do like libraries, if they change their mind. Obviously, it would be a way down the line if they decide to change their mind because, you know, the new ships are already being built and designed and they don't have libraries. So uh, who knows? But the older ships will keep them, at least for now. Like, you know, if you want to go on the Sunrise or the Magic or the Breeze or one of those ships that has a library, at least for right now, those are still there. And New York City looks at making shore power mandatory, but there's just one issue. Well, there's actually a couple of issues, to be honest. <laughs> so this is a bill being proposed by two New York City lawmakers, and it would require that ships use shore-based power sources while docked, as opposed to leaving their engines running. In other words, it's sort of like, you know, almost like an electric car. You go and you plug it into a ginormous plug, and that powers your ship while it's sitting in port for whether it's, you know, a couple of hours or uh, or overnight, whatever. Um, this would be for both the, the Manhattan terminals and the Brooklyn terminal, um, both. That sounds like a great solution to the ever-growing environmental concerns, which are really, you know, those are a real thing. All of the cruise lines are looking at ways to be, you know, to, to, to lessen their impact on the environment. So that is a good thing. But like you said, there are a few problems with the plan. For one thing, the main docks in Manhattan aren't set up for ships to use shore-based power. So it's great to make a law saying, hey, you have to, you know, plug your ship in while it's here. But if you don't have plugs, 
that's a little bit of a problem. Then there's the question of funding. In order to put that stuff in, that's going to be a pretty expensive um, prospect. So where would the money to implement, in, implement that type of program come from? I sort of assume that the lawmakers are thinking to themselves, well, the cruise lines will have to pony up if they want to continue using New York City terminals. And that does seem like the kind of thing that they that lawmakers would say. What could be, you know, the, the most interesting angles of this whole story is how the cruise lines respond to this. Obviously, they are pretty powerful. They bring a lot of money to New York City. Um, and it's hard to imagine that they would just be like, okay, well, we're just going to go somewhere else now because they want, you know, that that's a great um, vantage point, both for sailing to the Caribbean and for sailing up, you know, the leaf peeper cruises up to Canada and New England. So, they would lose a lot of money if they let this go. Uh, they they just now, you know, MSC now is sailing year round out of Brooklyn. So I don't imagine that they are going to just say, you know, that this is just going to go through and the cruise lines are going to say, well, we're not doing it. We're leaving. But no matter which way it goes, I don't think this is something that's going to happen anytime soon because, you know, when you introduce laws like these, Oh, the debates that will be had and the back and the forth and the cruise lines will make their proposal and the, you know, New York City will make their proposal. And that's even assuming that this gets to the point where it becomes a law. So while some people were kind of hair on fire about this and saying, oh, my God, no more cruises out of New York. It's not even close to that. We're a long way from any kind of, you know, movement on that front. Listener question comes from Jeremy. I have a question about the Family Feud game show you were talking about last week. How do you go by being picked as one of the families to compete on stage? Oh, that's a good question because I think everybody wonders that. Like, do you just wander in and they like come and pick somebody? No. There is a process you have to go through and even the process is kind of fun. So first you have to fill out a form and you have to have like, you know, I, I think it's five members for your team and, you know, a little name, fun name, that just like on Family Feud, except they don't usually use your last name. Usually people come up with fun names like, you know, the cruise crew kind of thing. Then at a certain point, they... I, and I don't know exactly how they decide which names to pick, but they pick names for people to take part in what is basically an audition process. It does not take place on the full Family Feud stage. Like, for example, when I saw the audition process on the Carnival Mardi Gras, it was done in the atrium. And they just like sort of were on stage. It was very plain. It was the cruise director and a couple other people helping him. And then you had two teams competing one knocked the other out, then two, then another team came up, and the teams that made it through this audition process, the final two teams were the ones who were called on stage during the big event on the actual Family Feud set or the facsimile of the Family Feud set. So you want to, when you get on board, you want to, if you don't know already, go to guest services and say, hey, where do we go to register for the Family Feud game? And they will point you in the right direction. It does not mean that you will be in the Family Feud game, but that's how the process starts. All right. Very good. Been talking with staff writer Richard Sims. As always, Richard, thank you, buddy. Always glad to be here. Have a question or a comment for the show? Send an email or voice memo to Doug at cruiseradio.net. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. 
Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. You're listening to Cruise Radio, America's trusted voice of the cruise industry. Jeremy and his wife just returned from an eight-night cruise on Holland America's New Stottendam out of Port Everglades. It went down to Aruba, Curacao, and Half Moon Key. He joins us on the line to talk all about it. How you doing, my friend? Doug, I am doing great. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, thanks for uh, offering to give this review of New Stottendam. Haven't heard from this one in a... Uh, I think since the launch, we did a show on there in 2019. So excited to have you on here, Jeremy. Now, before awesome. we get to the ship itself, as we always do, we'll take a step back here. Now, you're up in the Toronto area. You had to make your way down to South Florida. So what made you want to take this eight-nighter? Actually, it was a seven-night cruise. Typical with a lot of people lately the last year or so, we had some future cruise credits that we had through the pandemic. So I started looking at different cruises. Uh, we had cruised with Holland America in the past. We had did a cruise out of Vancouver, the Alaskan cruise, really happy with the service. Everything about Holland we were really pleased with. So um, again, I had this future cruise credit that I wanted to use up before the end of last year. Always wanted to go to Carousel, Aruba, um, the itinerary looked great, so we we jumped at it. We got a great deal and uh, flew down from Toronto to uh, to Fort Lauderdale to take the cruise. Nice. So then, um, what kind of pre-cruise time then? We actually came in two days early. Um, and and funny enough, I was looking at flights because you know all the advice out there is you never fly the day of, especially if you're coming from Canada. It's December. You never know with weather. Uh, so we actually decided to fly in on the Thursday um, and the flights were substantially cheaper with Air Canada on Thursday versus Friday. So it was actually better for me to fly in Thursday, get a hotel, be there a couple of days early. Uh, so that's what we did. Yeah, we flew in Thursday morning. We had a car we picked up at the airport and uh, we just spent a couple of days touring around uh, Florida. We loved it. It was the weather was awesome. You know, Canada wasn't too bad in December before we got hit with any storms. So, but it was still nice leaving the cold climate down to uh, Southern Florida. Yeah, no, I bet. Did you tour like the Everglades or anything? Uh, we have done the Everglades before, so we didn't do that. We did more shopping. Like I'm a big Yeti guy. So we, it was mm -hmm. cool that we went to a Yeti flagship store, uh, hung out on Los Olas, uh, went to Sawgrass uh, Mills and Ball. So we did a lot of touristy things. We hung out at the hotel. We had booked uh, two nights at Homes to Suites at the airport. Um, cruise port so we were close by uh went out for some some good meals and uh yeah just enjoyed sort of two days of relaxation before getting on the boat so you think arctic zone coolers are not as good as yeti huh yeah, yeah. i'm a yeti guy sorry i hear you okay okay i have an arctic zone for my camper but yeah are you? okay uh, <laughs> okay a little little cheaper you know yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Yetis are good, but yeah, you, but the flagship store is cool. So if you, if any listeners get to Florida, Fort Lauderdale, it is worth. If you're a Yeti, it's worth checking out the flagship yeah, store. Definitely. So you make your way to Port Everglades into the cruise terminal to embark New Stottendam. How was the embarkation process for y'all? 
it was actually very smooth. But just to step back a second, when we were at the hotel, something cool. So again, we stayed at the Homes of Suites. We we arrived on the 8th of December. We weren't getting on the ship till the 10th. Um, so on the Friday night, I I grabbed some beers. We were going to go sit outside. And uh, Tony and Jenny were there from La Vida Loca. So it was really cool to kind of run into them. Yeah. Um, you know, not necessarily starstruck, but it was cool to see Tony. So we, we sat outside. I had a couple of... Uh, couple of beers as a typical Canadian and uh, talked to Tony and Jenny and they were awesome. Like we just yeah. talked about cruising, talked about his show. Um, so it was kind of neat to do that. It was kind of like a great pre-cruise, but as far as the embarkment, it was very smooth. Um, so again, when we left the hotel, we opted for an Uber. Um, so we got an Uber over to the cruise port. And I think that was the best because when we were leaving the hotel, they did offer a shuttle service, but there was a ton of people waiting for the shuttle. And a lot of people that I was speaking to almost felt like they weren't sure if the Ubers were going to be able to get into the cruise port. So there was a little bit of misinformation being sent out there. And uh, so we thought, you know what, let's jump on an Uber. It was a $20 ride. And we were from the hotel to the cruise port in like 10 minutes. So it was very smooth. Not bad at all. Now you make your way on board New Stottendam. What were your first impressions? It was a beautiful ship. So, so the onboard process was very smooth. Like it was busy. The terminal was busy. I think there was four or five ships in, in port that day. It's typical Port Everglades busy on a Saturday, uh, but it was very smooth. We got in there. I used the Verify app. I had all the information on the app. One thing I did mention in the pre-interview, Doug, is my wife does have a disability. So if we actually rented her a scooter. She gets around well. She uses crutches, but she has a prosthesis. So when we get on the ship... Um, we actually have a scooter. So we rented a scooter and we actually had the scooter delivered to the hotel before the cruise, which was kind of cool because I had a rental car SUV. So I was able to get the scooter in and out of the, um, of the rental. So we were able to enjoy it for a couple of days before the cruise. So we, she was able to ride the scooter right into the cruise port and we were on from curb to ship. It probably took about 20 minutes. It was really smooth. Wow, that is a that's super fast these days. Very cool there. Yeah, well, we kind of caught the attention. So I wasn't sure about the verified app. So I had actually stopped one of the porters and was asking some questions. Okay, is this, you know, have I got all the documents lined up properly? Do you need me to do anything else? Because I had printed stuff off as well. Like I had a paper backup just in case. And I don't know, she took a liking to my wife and I and she said, hey, come this way. So we kind of bypassed one of the bigger lines. And, uh, and we were one of the first on the ship. So we were, yeah, we were on the ship. It was, I looked at my watch and it was just after 12 noon. Not bad at all for being yeah. noon and already on board. Very cool there. So totally. what kind of stateroom did you have and what did you think of it through the seven, uh, the seven nights? So we had, uh, we actually lucked out and got a Neptune suite. So we kind of splurged. It was our 20, we treated as we, we celebrated our 25th anniversary in September so we treated this as our, our anniversary trip. So we, we opted for the Neptune suite. So beautiful suite. Um, and again, because of my wife's uh, disability, we got the accessible cabin. So it was even bigger than the normal one. So room, very, very large. Bathroom, very large. Shower, as well as a tub. And the balcony was, veranda was just massive. Like it had a table, four chairs, two loungers. You could have a party in there. You could fit 15 people out on there easily. And we really, really enjoyed it. Now, there's access to the, what is it called? Is it, it's the Neptune Lounge, right? Yes. Yeah. So the Neptune Lounge um, on the ship, and it was actually literally like probably 15 feet down the hall from us. So it was actually one of the first areas that we visited because typically, you know, 
as you know, sort of the, the first day, everyone's getting on the ship. It's busy. The elevators are busy. The Lido, you know, the buffet's packed. So we opted to go up to the Neptune Lounge just to sort of meet the concierge, get the lay of the land. Um, they've got sort of a, a self-serve bar there sort of on the honor system. You grab a beer, you can write down your name and some snacks and that. And so we went in there hung out there for a little bit and it's beautiful. Like, and the concierge uh, are extremely helpful. So again, you're spending money. Um, so the service is, is that much more plus, uh, but yeah, very, very helpful. I had arranged for a drink package. So they got that taken care of. And, and the really cool thing about the Neptune lounge is you get to meet, I, I would say the biggest benefit of it is you just get to meet some really cool people that are cruising um, in, in more of an intimate setting. So you know, we met some really cool guys from Florida, um, Doug and Wayne, they were on there celebrating their anniversary. So we hung out with them a little bit. So we've actually met people that we're going to keep in touch with long after the cruise is over. So that was really nice. I love it. So let's talk about the dining on board, the new Staten demo. We'll start at the top at the, I believe it's called the Lido Marketplace on this ship. What were your thoughts yes. of it? It was great. Like the, the food on Holland, not that I have, you know, I'm, I'm a, Kim and my wife and I are fairly new cruisers. So it's not like I've got a lot of comparisons, but so, so Holland is really the benchmark for me, but it's, it's great food. Like we really, really enjoyed all the food, even in the Lido, it seemed fresh. Holland America does it a little bit different where they have people actually still serving you food even after COVID. So that's kind of nice. Um, it does get busy. Like if you go there during prime time, lunchtime, early evening, around dinner time, um, you know, there's there's some lineups. Like the ship, the ship was busy. Like I think the total capacity was about 2,600 um, from what I've read online. And when I asked a few people, they felt that we were around 2,500. So we we're close to capacity. And you could feel it when you went into those bigger areas and more popular areas, you you felt the ship was was busy. Wow. So let's talk about the main dining room experience. So what time dining did you have and how was your experience in there throughout the week? Yeah, absolutely. So we had the, we opted for the early time dining. I think it was 530 um, because we wanted to take advantage of the show. So I thought maybe the eight o'clock might be just a little too tight and getting to some of the shows. Uh, but the cool thing about having the Neptune Lounge, you actually actually had access to the uh, Club Orange. So on the Pinnacle class ships, uh, Rotterdam, New Stottenham, the Dam, they all have a separate dining room for Club Orange. Um, so we found ourselves, we did go to the main dining room and the food and service was great there, but we actually opted for Club Orange most of the time. So most of most of the breakfasts that we enjoyed or the dinners we we had in Club Orange. Nice. And that's just like, that's your smaller dedicated dining room where now you can just kind of roll, roll in there. Is it the same menu or is it like a... Is it like this breakfast? Or are you getting the steak and eggs in there instead of the normal just omelet? I would say it's it's the regular menu with a few added features. So usually at dinner, there'll be a couple extra entrees. At breakfast, you get served the mimosas. So there's a couple little cool things that come along with it. But you're right. It's kind of just you stroll in there. There always seem to be availability. So I was kind of worried because you can either have access to Club Orange if you have a, or if you have a suite or you can purchase Club Orange. And I think it's I think it's $25 a person a day. So you can actually purchase that separately. So I was kind of concerned because they didn't let you make reservations. But anytime we went for breakfast or dinner, um, if we had to wait, it might have been five minutes. So usually we were able to get in there. They, they usually sat us at the same table, same server. Um, and the food was the food was really, really good. 
How about any specialty restaurants, Canaletto, uh, Pinnacle Grill, Tamarind, anything like that? We had booked the Pinnacle Grill because um, I'm a huge steak guy. I, I'm a barbecuer. I could eat steak every day. But my wife was really wanting to try Tamarind. And we had the Have It All package. So the Have It All package that Holland offers, uh, it's the signature drink package. It's some money towards shore excursions. As well, it includes one specialty dining. Um, so we took advantage. So I actually, midweek, I switched my reservation from Pinnacle Grill over to Tamarind. So we went and did it on the uh, last sea night. We were at sea and uh, we went up there and had dinner at the Tamarind. And it was amazing. Uh, very, very good food. Yeah, that, that seared lobster is amazing they have there. And the, also yes. the, uh, <laughs> the, the, yeah, no, the red curry. Good food up there in Tamarind. Um, how about like the New yeah. York sliced pizza or anything like that? Yeah, the, the New York sliced pizza was great. We had it for lunch a couple of times. They actually offer a pretty good breakfast menu as well. So you can go there and get bagels. You can get a fresh breakfast sandwich uh, at dinner or uh, after dinner, I should say. In the evenings, they'll have like some snacks like wings, those types of things. If they're showing a movie on the screen, they'll have pretzels and things like that. So um, it actually, it's very good. The pizza was great. Uh, we actually also went to the dive-in uh, bar. So they have a, it's a, gourmet hot dogs slash hamburgers just off the pool deck deck nine i guess their lido deck but uh so we went there a couple times i love the hot dogs with the jalapenos the cheddar cheese sauce and onions that was a favorite of mine mm -hmm. yeah that's that that area is dangerous with that pizza and yes. the uh the dive in that's for sure <laughs> yeah 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 there's pizza dive in there's a gelato bar there so yeah. you can have ice cream afterwards yeah so it's but like they say, calories don't count on cruises, right? So, Amen. Absolutely. So how was the entertainment on this seven-night cruise? It was much better than I expected. And I only say that because I was comparing it to our Alaskan cruise. And, and the one knock that I would give against Holland is, and, and I've read this online, I've seen other reviews where, you know, they talk about the entertainment outside the music venues. Like their music venues are very good. Um, the live music is great. But I would say like. The entertainment, I remember when we did the Alaskan cruise, one of the entertainments was night, two, one night was these two fellas up there uh, with dueling violins. Like I, I lasted about 10 minutes and I had to leave, right? But uh, I have to admit the the shows on New Staten Island were, were a marked improvement. So they have, I think they call it the world stage, but they have the, you know, the main stage, they've got the screens that go around it. So we were there a couple of nights, great comedian on board. As well, we saw like a sort of a, a rock of ages show, like decades of, of music. So they start off in like the 30s, 40s, 50s and, and work their way current. So, yeah, the entertainment was much better on the ship this time. Very cool. Now, does, did you catch the, uh, I know Holland America, I don't know if it's fleet wide yet or not. It's, a, it's the story of Holland America line. We didn't catch that. I think it was offered one day. I yeah. know there was, I think, they, and they were doing something one afternoon, I think, as well. And one of the sea days where you could go and they would, you know, I don't know if it was the entertainment director or someone in the staff that would get up and talk about the history of it. Mm -hmm. I would have liked to have seen it. I think we just had missed it from a timing perspective. But I, I believe they did have that on the show. I remember seeing it on the activity sheet. Gotcha. So how were the sea days as far as crowds and congestion? It actually thinned out. So, you know, although it's not a mega ship in comparison to some of the other ones out there, you know, other than the, like, I would say like the first and last days, once people get settled in the ship, like, you know, sometimes you would notice that the elevators would get busy or the, the buffet was a little bit busier in prime times. The sea days really weren't that bad. Like if you went to the pool, you know, there seemed to be loungers available. You know, any of the, the food venues, the free food venues never seemed to be really busy. So I would say like 
the maybe it's the layout of the ship. Considering we were so close to the full capacity, you really didn't feel it on those CGs. Oh, that's good. Now, with the smoking situation in the casino, does Holland America allow that? Or I know I've been on so many Holland America ships where sometimes it's like, okay, there's smoking, but no smoking on formal night or what have you. What was it like on this ship? It wasn't bad. Um, and it was funny because I had to ask my wife afterwards because I knew that we were going to ask. I knew you were going to ask this question. I was like, I said to my wife, I'm like, oh, do you remember them smoking in the casino? She's like, oh, yeah, there was smoke in there. So and I've just read recently that I think on some of the Holland America ships, they're actually going to have more of a, a divided smoking versus non-smoking sections. But the way that the ship is laid out right now in the casino, you know, it's more of closer to the, the front of the ship. But we were there a few nights like we're not heavy gamblers, but we would go in and play slots a few times. And, uh, you know, people were smoking, but again, it wasn't in your face. So they imagine they have a pretty good ventilation system because it wasn't something that after five minutes, it wasn't like, oh, we got to get out of here because of the smoke. That's good. Now, did you have the Wi-Fi package on this cruise? We did. So that was part of the have it all as well. So uh, it was good. It wasn't great. Like, I don't think you'd be able to work off it. Um, yeah. Like, I didn't bring my laptop. I had my phone from work, like my iPhone. Um, so you were able to log in. It was more for like some social media stuff. So I was posting some pictures on my Instagram, things like that. It was, it was a little hit and miss. Like it, it, it wasn't superb, but it wasn't awful either. So the ports of call, you had three of them on this one, Aruba, Carousel and Half Moon. So uh, which one did you hit first and give us the highlight? Yeah, so we hit Carousel first. It was awesome. So with Carousel, we ended up, so with first two days, so we left on the Saturday. So all day Sunday, all day Monday, we were at sea. On Tuesday, we hit Carousel and we were in early. I think we we docked well before we got up. So we got off the ship early and we were there late. I think it didn't leave till close to 11, 11 o'clock at night or close to midnight. Um, so it was a full day in Carousel. So it was nice. We didn't feel rushed. We got off the ship. We didn't book any excursions. I think if we were to do it again, what I would look at doing is there's a car rental right there. And I saw that quite a few people were renting cars. That would be something I'd be interested in, sort of rent a car, tour the island. Uh, what we opted to do is just sort of, you know, freestyle. And just we we spent a few hours off the ship. We went into, you know, they have a, a fort there. Some historics uh, went into the town area. We went across the bridge and they have a love lock. So we, through our YouTube watching of, of cruises, we discovered that in Carousel, just on the other side of the, the Queen Emma Bridge, I believe it's called, there's one of those love locks. So we had actually ordered a lock with our names engraved on it. So it was kind of cool. It was our 25th anniversary, and we went and put the love lock on the lock like they have in Paris. That's awesome. I didn't... So that, that was definitely a highlight of yeah. Carousel. And picking up a bottle of Blue Croco was good too, because you know you get it in Canada, but it's not the right, it's not the same stuff. So. Well, it's not, you have to. It's like right, right a passage, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, where, where did you go next? Um, so the next day, so we went to Aruba. So it was, you know, they're pretty close to each other. Sure. So the next day we were in Aruba. It was more of like a nine to three stop. Uh, so we got off the ship again. Didn't really have anything booked. You know, I think now that we've done this itinerary, I think next time, and we definitely would do it again. I think I would just look at doing maybe a beach or something like that. Or, you know, because Kim has the scooter, do we take it with us? But there's there's different options out there. Um, so with Aruba, what we did was we we sort of just toured the touristy area. So you get off the ship, there's tons of different, you know, shops that sell trinkets and things like that. So we bought a few things like that, gifts for people. 
Aruba is kind of cool because they have the mall fairly close by that have some really high-end stores in there. So Gucci, Michael Kors, Rolex. So I was glad that I left my Amex card on the ship. But uh, yeah, there's there's some pretty cool shopping there if you want to drop some money in Aruba. And then your last port was Half Moon. How was that? It was nice. It was beautiful. It was a beautiful sea day, tendered over. Um, so anybody with mobility issues, the tender that Holland America uses is is quite good. Uh, wheelchairs not an issue. Scooters, it's you go off the top deck. So when you when you get off the ship, you're on the top deck of the tender, and then you, you sort of snake your way around to the the lower deck, and that's where you get off of. It's a little tricky on a scooter, but it, my wife's kind of used to it, so there's no issues there. And yeah, we spent a few hours on Half Moon, jumped in the ocean, um, had lunch over there. So they bring the staff over. It was hamburgers and hot dogs and uh, spent a few hours over there. There's a few little gift shops that we visited, got some really nice pictures. It's, it's really nice to get the pictures of the boat from from the island. So you can get some really nice uh, pictures of the of the ship from there. But yeah, it was, it was a beautiful day. It was nice, sunny. It was warm, so it was a really nice day. And it was, it was. I think most of the people got off. Like the, when we got back on the ship, so we were back on the ship by maybe one o'clock just after lunch, and it was dead. Uh, so it was really nice to sort of get back on the ship, and there was barely anybody on the ship. Uh, most people were enjoying the island. The big question is, were y'all the only ship there? No, there was another uh, ship. Eurodam. So another Holland America ship. Eurodam was parked beside us, but it's a bit of a smaller ship. I think it's closer to like 1900, 2000 capacity, Yeah, but they were there at the same time as us. So it wasn't, it wasn't too terrible there. So now it wasn't too bad. No. Yeah. So you make your way back to Port Everglades. How was debark? It was smooth. I say that getting off the ship was a little, I would, I would classify it as, as organized chaos. And it was, it was no fault of Holland America's again, with the accessibility. So we rented the scooter and part of the deal with the scooter rental was you leave it in your stateroom. So they have an arrangement, the companies that, that rent the scooters, they come and pick them up, or I guess they reallocate them on the next sailing. We left the scooter in the stateroom. My wife's mobility isn't an issue with her crutches. So we get down to deck two and you kind of wait there until someone can help you off the ship. So they have a couple of the porters with wheelchairs helping people off the ship. I think the one thing that happened there was there was a lot of people. So that was something that you should have told them about up front uh, or during the cruise. Okay, I'm going to need some ex- you know assistance getting off the ship. So there was about 30 of us that had prearranged that. And there was probably 60 people that showed up that wanted that service. So a lot of people, I think, had realized last minute or hadn't prearranged it. So it was a little overwhelming for the Hull in America staff just because they had double the people they thought they had to get off the ship. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they worked their way through it. It probably took about an hour, uh, but we did get off the ship. And then getting through Port Everglades, like they have the facial recognition. So once you're down in the port, it was pretty smooth getting through there. Now, once you got off the ship, did you do any post-cruise time in Florida or was it straight back home? No, we did. Again, I was a little nervous because the Air Canada flights are either, I think it's 11 or 11.30 or 6 o'clock in the afternoon if you mm-hmm. want a direct flight. And I didn't want to hang out at the airport till 6. And I was a little nervous that 11 might be tight. Now, I think we got off the ship in time, but again, it's, it's that little bit of that buffer. So we did end up staying in Fort Lauderdale an extra night. So we just rented a hotel. Actually, we made our way over to the airport because I did have another car rental. So I had quite a few points with Hertz. So I took advantage of a few days free car rental. So mm. we made our way over to the airport, got our car rental for the day, hung out in Fort Lauderdale, went and hit some barbecue restaurants and, um, and spent the night at the uh, at the hotel. There was the Doubletree 
and they're right on the intercoastal. So we sat out on our balcony, had a couple of drinks and, and watched some really nice boats go by. Yeah. Those are some uh, big money sailing down there. Oh, yeah. yeah they're, they're, the cost of some houses go by that place. Yeah. yeah so. That's wild. Uh, any first time tips to offer someone who may be sailing New Staten Dom for the first time? Yeah, I would just say, um, you know, use the online resources, you know, ton. Of, I watched a ton of YouTube videos, listen to shows like yourself. I would just say, you know, do your homework, figure out, you know, take advantage of, I really like the Club Orange. So I would think even if I didn't do a suite, I would pay the extra for the Club Orange. The only fault I would say with the suites is they offer like a pre-disembarkment, pre-early boarding. I didn't really, didn't notice that. Like, I think they hyped that a little bit. So we didn't notice that so much, but it's a beautiful ship. The staff are great. You know, they're always there to be, you know, accommodating. The food is wonderful. If you're a foodie, Holland America is a great ship to be on. And yeah, if you get a chance to do a, a Neptune suite, take advantage of it. They're really, really nice. The problem is, though, with that is you spoiled your wife. Yes. <laughs> now she doesn't want to sell anything but a Neptune suite. Yeah, and she's mentioned that a few times, Doug. So it's. Uh, <laughs> I said to her, I said to her on the ship, I said, don't get used to this. We're back on an inside cabin on the next <laughs> one. But, you know, well, I don't think I'd be able to go into anything less than a veranda, but it's... Right. Uh, they're not cheap, but you can get deals. Uh, so watch online. And uh, I love sailing that time of year, sort of that pre-Christmas. Mm-hmm. You get back home just before the holidays. A lot of your coworkers are now starting to take your vacation. So you kind of roll from one vacation into the next. So I'm definitely looking to do an early December cruise uh, this year. Very cool. So looking back, what was the biggest highlight of this cruise for you? I would say, you know, just being able to disconnect, you know, being on the ship, being pampered, awesome food and and entertainment and just meeting people like we like I said we we met so many cool people there was um, a lot of Canadians were on board so we met uh, there was a bridal party of about 80 people from Toronto we met quite a few of those people um, in the bar one night and uh, yeah just meeting so everybody loves being on a cruise it's just people's stresses are are down a little bit less and people are happy to be there so yeah we're looking forward to our next one we've got our next one booked in April you know, like Tommy says, always be booked, right? So we're, right. we're always looking forward to our next cruise. Absolutely. So uh, final thoughts of the new Staten Dom. Love it. It's a great ship, clean accessibility. So anybody listening with any accessibility, accessibility needs, it's well laid out. Lots of elevators, lots of room, uh, scooters, wheelchairs, not an issue. Staff are great. Food's great. Um, I would definitely recommend Holland America to any first time cruiser. We've been talking with Jeremy about his seven-night cruise on Holland America's new Staten Dom down to the Aruba, Curacao, and Half Moon Key. Jeremy, thank you so much for sharing this review. I sure appreciate it. And give us a buzz after you get back from your next one. Love to have you back on. Sounds good, Doug. Thanks so much. All right, Dougie. Let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.